Welcome to the Perfect Pitch podcast series, a unique insight behind the scenes of the classical music industry and the inspiring people and stories of their lives. I'm Kat Alder and I hope you enjoy. In this episode, I speak to artist manager Claudia Clarkson, who currently works at Keynote Artist Management in London. They have an impressive roster of artists, including Hélène Grimaud and Theodore Corensis on their books. Claudia shares a career path from Ascon Salt to Southbank Centre via IMG and the Football Association. Claudia is one of my favourite people in the whole wide world because she's straight, inventive and doesn't take herself too seriously. Watch out for her very funny laugh. She also believes in a wholesome model engrossing herself on all aspects of an artist's career. I think this is a fun episode to listen to and let's get going. My first question is always on what's your party pitch. If someone says to you, so what do you do? What's your kind of party pitch answer that makes you fancy and interesting? I should have been more prepared for that, shouldn't I? No, no, no. <laughs> That's a joy of surprise. What's my party pitch? I often just say I do a bit of everything. I like to gazump people and say, I'm an artist manager, but I'm a weightlifting coach on the side. Uh-huh. And then they don't know what to do. They're like, what? What no. is your actual job? What is your actual job? What? So I'd like to sort of add a, you know, a little bit of twinkle there, a little bit of other elements of myself, but I'd probably say that. Yeah. yeah. And what, what would you, in your words, what does an artist manager stand for or mean? For me? Yeah. Okay. Because everyone is obviously very different about it. So I worked in a lot of, a lot of different agencies to sound like a floozy, but, <laughs> but I'm not, I just, you know, started quite young and, uh, for me, what's important about being an artist manager is not just being a booking agent. Mm-hmm. So some artists might prefer that, um, and that's completely fine. But for me, it's more about actually really understanding the people that I'm working with, getting a sense of who they are, what they want, what do they want to achieve within their career, whether we're talking about an artist or an orchestra or a dance company, I want to be part of the collaboration. We can disagree, we can... Um, be on the same path we can have a laugh but we have good communication and there's like respect for each other mm-hmm. so I think that's the fundamental for me and then from there you just progress and develop and you you know you sell you find recording deals you get engagements you you understand the individual if you don't understand the individual the organization I then think how are you able to sell them as an artist or mm-hmm. project them as an artist towards to other presenters because if you don't get a sense of that then I think then you're not really doing them this you're doing them a disservice Mm. really Mm. so that for me is sort of artist management Mm. I people people some people don't like being called an agent some people would rather call it manager I mean fundamentally it's the same thing in my opinion it's just whether the artist really wants someone who's just going to book not really be invested in their in their career and, and just give you direction I think that's fine, and I think that's if that's what the artist wants, or the client, or the various organisations want from you, then that's fine. For me, I don't really. I prefer to really get a sense and be involved. Mm. Um, and so then, if I'm more involved and I'm part of that artist's uh, life, not you know per, all personal, but really have a sense, then I feel like I can really project. Make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. Otherwise, it just is for me would just feel too distant yeah how did you get into it what was kind of well uh, uh. <laughs> it's such a sounds like such a cop-up um i played violin as a child 
moved to Germany when I was really young. Hated it. <laughs> Where did you move to? Hanover. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. You have no uh, excuse. It's true. <laughs> then I came to England um, with music, and my dad's always worked in the business. And so my parent, my mum studied opera. Uh, in Vienna where she met my father who was studying the cello it's always been in our life mm. musical we all played instruments and my dad worked for the uh, National Arts Centre Orchestra in mm. Ottawa mm. and then got a job at Katie Schmidt. and so our house was one my mum's Eastern European and incredibly sociable so the house was always full of people from every walk of life mainly a lot of musicians because they're musicians so I, I just grew up like you I grew mm. up in that environment and you either go one way like my brother who's a historian and an academic and did a whole Oxford malak my and, brother did that right? well. <laughs> so I think you have like one way real academia and you know he can't change a light bulb but he won't listen to this um, but uh, <laughs> but and then I just I think I got really into it I really like the idea of I just really like what my dad did and he worked in touring and so I did a practicum in his company when mm. I was an uh, internship when I was 15. Mm. And I liked, but I worked in the artist management side because I didn't want to be, even at that age, I knew oh, I don't want to be associated with my dad. I, I want to be valued for my work and not for people to think, oh, it's Harold's daughter and, oh, okay, well, we have to give her a practicum or we have to offer mm. a job or whatever. Mm. I really wanted to sort of have my distance. I mean, I love my dad, but just to stand on my own two feet. I, I was, felt always the same way, yeah. And I was, I was quite um, stubborn about that. Even at like 14, 15, I was like, I don't, you know, I want my own, my own voice. And I want people to employ me for me. So I did a, a practical internship at 15. And then after that, they kept asking me to come back. So Cornelia Schmidt and her team... I'd like come back in Easter holiday. They'd, they'd ask my dad, and my dad was really good. They'd be like, "Is Claudia coming back for a holiday? And does she want to work?" And my dad would say, "Don't, don't ask me. Ask her directly." Because I, if my dad would have come to me, I would have said, "Oh, piss off! <laughs> like, I don't. What have you said? What have you done? I don't. I don't want anything to do yeah. with it." Um, so then, oh, this is really long winded. <laughs> so, so, so then he. Um, uh, they would come to me and so that it's kind of just started like that and then I went to uni in London um, what did you study? theatre studies so I wow. played music all my life and I was like oh I could you know go and study music but then I thought no I don't uh, credit to everyone who's in music but I was like actually I want to be on the other side but also I could have studied management but I love theatre mm. and so I thought sod it I'm going to do theatre studies so I studied that in London and then Karen McDonald from uh, Katie Schmidt set up a little office in the Van Molsom yeah. office that's how it originally started and Micah Fuchs her assistant went and finished her studies and was like oh do you want to come in your gap year and work here for three months so that was my part time job oh, wow. so already at the age of 18 from 15 to 18 I've done so many I mean it, it wasn't you know a lot of it I was saying earlier you know cutting out reviews and yeah. gluing them on paper and then putting in the laminating do you have any like concerts or events or artists that you remember from that time that you still fondly look back to? I did, I did. Or that are still round, not dead? Um, Kvastov. Oh, really? I did stuff for him. That was quite, that was quite interesting. And, you know, you're 16, you don't really know what to do. You're kind of a little bit intimidated because he is who he is. Nach den Fluren des Ganges, dort weiß ich den Schmerz. 
in a long time but they came on tour to Europe and they left me at 17 in charge of their whole sponsorship ticketing oh, wow. Wow. so I had to allocate all the seats and do all the you know and it's I've done it for the Berlin Phil and it in Deutsche Bank and it's always such a faff in the sense that you want to get it right because mm. sponsors are always very important and um, I then met them for dinner and they said to me that they thought they'd been in touch with a 50 year old woman because I was so formal and then this 17 year old rocks up with my do you remember buffalo shoes yeah. Very German. Yeah. <laughs> and like flared jeans, because that was what was fashionable then. I'm like, hey, I've sorted out all your tickets and stuff for some big bank. And they're like, oh, who are you? I'm like, Claudia, we've been on the phone and emailing. And I was like, oh, it's so. When you think about it now, it's almost cringy. But yeah. I was just kind of, I'm very lucky. I'm very. Um, very outgoing positive parents mm. so my parents are always like you can you can achieve what you set out to achieve and I was never you know there was never dinner with adults or whatever if we had all these musicians in our house I remember being 10 years old and you might have been the same you know just walking around talking to these people later on in life you realize who they were God, I was probably telling them what my favorite ice cream was but you know <laughs> Then you're like, oh, I was talking to the head of Cleveland. Oops, all right, okay. <laughs> and then you. I had that like a memorable call while Bardo called our house. And I was like, Dad, there's this guy on the phone. He wants to speak to me to Bardo or something like that. <laughs> and now we sound like such pretentious idiots <laughs> talking about you. But when you're little, you just don't like, realize. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. I don't know if you've had it. It's the worst now where I've where and when I've started out again and um, working properly full time with some people who are still around they go I remember you and your dad's garden you were just running around like yeah okay now we're here to yeah. talk about business now <laughs> and then you're like oh but um it's, yeah basically it just excelled on from that and then I after university I got a job at IMG mm-hmm. and then I went and then I finally caved and I I I realised I really wanted to work in touring I had a lapse this is going to sound, I had a lapse in my career. Um, I did inverted commas, by the way. And, uh, and where I... Started, Such a podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where I, um, I left, I quit my job at IMG, and I went to work for the Football Association. Oh, wow. So I thought, I've been working in music, in artist management, really, since I was 15. I know that sounds really silly, but really, it's been so, part of my life for such a long time. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? I didn't really want to be in artist management that much, just that aspect. I really like projects. Mm. But then I felt, oh, my, my dad suddenly joined IMG, which was really weird. Mm. Um, not in a bad way, just kind of. So then I was like, oh, I don't really. I still was very, 
at that point in my early 20s, I was still very much, I don't want to, I want a slight disconnect. Mm. Again, no disregard to him, but more for myself. I think if you work in the same industry, I really just wanted to prove mm. myself mm. on my own accord. Mm. Um, like even to this day, when some people go, are you Harold Clarkson's daughter? And I'll go, if you like him, yes. If you don't, I don't know who he is. <laughs> no idea. And some people like like laugh, and other people are like, oh, uh, well, uh, okay. I know. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, come on, you've met me. I'm, I'm probably joking. Um, and so I got a job in the events commercial department working for the England football oh, team. Oh, wow. So my first day at the England football team was the same day as Fabio Capello. So I rocked up, and there's all these camera crews, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. So this thing, I... It was really good experience. How long did you last? Six months. Oh, wow, wow. But I was in a quite a tough department and I was the eighth person to leave within six months. Wow. So that made me feel a lot better. <laughs> but, you know, worked with sponsorships and all these, all these different elements. And I think that was a really good lesson for me to see mm. what else is out there, see the really corporate world. Yeah. Um, very business world, very, actually very male-driven world. Um... So the classical music industry yeah. can be quite male-driven Can well. be, yeah, yeah, can be. Very true. Um, and then I applied for a job at Askinus and I got a job as a project manager in the tools department and that that was probably the best thing. I was there for six years. I loved it. I worked with Donna Collins, did really brilliant tours, got to work, because I speak German, got to work with mm. Berlin Phil and Staatskapelle mm. and with amazing artists. Um so that's kind of how it evolved and I feel like I'm going no. done. how do you think over the years it's changed in the sense of do you see a difference from when you started or you can remember when you started the management side of it how artists make their money how kind of things have evolved I think has there been a cosmic shift for you like, or a strong for, shift yeah I think there has I think for me definitely and I think also generally in the business I mean I was six and a half years six years at asking us mm. Um, I love being part of Asnes. I love work, so working with Martin and Robert um, uh, Martin Campbell and Robert Rattray. Um, bless Robert Rattray. And um, But I got to a point I, re- I felt myself slightly restricted. Not of the sense that Asnes didn't offer me or give me um, amazing opportunities. Mm. More for myself again. I think I get to this point always that there's a shift within me where and I think this is where I'm going to lead to how I think things have changed as well. Whereas actually I wanted to not be pigeonholed in one thing. I mean, I love everything. I'm interested in everything. I mean, I was listening to Grime on the way here. So, I mean, and I you know, I'm so urban. I'm so urban. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, silly to, if you, I think sometimes in bigger agencies, I think, um, it's it's you have a lot of turnovers it's a lot about you know having great prestigious uh organizations that you work for but where there's i think been a shift is that you've noticed this huge influx of small agencies coming out Mm. and sometimes i mean so i went freelance for three years which we were speaking about earlier and i did i was saying earlier i did everything so i was programming i was covering for ben larkant for a couple months at the south bay center as well as event managing there which I really enjoyed doing, even though it it was maybe not the direction I wanted to go, but learning how things run in-house. As an agent or a manager, a lot of the time you're, 
you're selling your artist or going to venues and talking to venues. But I remember, I, I think I know what the South Bank does, but really, did I actually know what they mm. did? And do I really know what they're planning or having a real look at what festivals are they doing? What art, what artists can I fit? I shouldn't go with 50 artists. Actually, I should probably just talk to them about three artists. And this brings me back to the idea of me really having an understanding and real want of knowing who I'm working with mm. or for. And that could be anything. And so in that time, I was doing so many different things. I was managing Nicola Benedetti as maternity cover. I was doing stuff at the Roundhouse event, producing a Radiohead gig and DJ gigs. And I loved actually working in that industry because they're so cutthroat. They're mm. so to the point. There's no treading on eggshells that I almost really enjoyed that kind of bluntness of, well, we didn't sign that on the bottom line. Or, and then you suddenly go, oh, I've got to really argue my case here. But not that you never did before, but it's just straight. There's mm. nothing There's nothing softening the blow. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, oh, okay. Um, oh, did you pay for that towel? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've lost Tommy York's water bottle I don't know where it is um, but and then you know you do programming you understand about subsidies you start to really get a sense of it just opened up my eyes to everything and I, like I said earlier then some people that I used to work with they'd say well I just don't know you seem to be doing everything yeah. and and it almost was a bit of a criticism I felt maybe not and then, I, and then after a while I was like well actually I'm just doing what I want to do and I think the way things have changed that you, the growth in smaller agencies have, have, have developed. A lot of people have branched out. I think this idea of, so now I work in a smaller agency and I don't just manage an artist. I kind of can produce stuff if I like to. I work on tools. So it's not like, okay, you're, you're just in this department. Mm. Whatever works within the company and can fit within what our company stand for, which is actually just do what we find really interesting, mm-hmm. then then why not? And I think I think artists, there's a think some artists, not all artists, but have a sense of actually we want to be more part of something, uh, an idea of what can we create within mm-hmm. the agency. So what can you do within an agency a little bit more? Not just a tour, not just booking the artist, mm-hmm. but okay, how can we generate... That's to be perfectly blunt, income in a different way. Yeah. What, what are you seeking out? And like I said, some artists might just want the classical route, mm-hmm. and if we and we do that and we enjoy work that. But if some artists have other ideas and want to develop in a different way, and I think that's changed. I think the way artists want to do things or connect with things or connect with people or not everyone. Again, I think things like that have changed, and mm-hmm. that doesn't always work in certain umbrellas. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I think you suddenly see smaller agencies having branched out a little bit. Well, more. I think back then the goal was always let's be on the Yellow label, let's have a manager, yeah. let's tour, yeah. let's win a couple of competitions or whatever, and that's it. And I think a lot of artists now, or projects, just think more creatively about their own entity rather yeah. than just accepting the status quo and that's it. Exactly. And that doesn't have to be then, that doesn't have to be also 360 management. No, no. It, no. It, it, and I think that then also restricts people a little bit mm. because you want to branch out to other... Mm other interesting partners I mean you know there's so many amazing venues and presenters and festivals and and people to work with out there mm. that you'd be silly just to pigeonhole it into one one little yeah. area yeah. 
again, it's dependent. It's always dependent on the individual. Yeah. And what's what's your day to day look like? Your working day? Kind of is it very varied or? What would you say a typical day in the life of Claudia looks like? <laughs> Never starts the way I plan it to start. <laughs> Bump into you on the tube when I'm looking really gross. <laughs> Actually, not wearing yeah, tube gear today. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it, I always, I, I used to be when I first started as assistant. I was this amazing list person, and I remember having like my desk with all my folders with all the. I worked for Captain Endicott, so I had like you know oh, little God. sticky tape with like leftover ants nests and all the little contracts and everything so I know it was so I was what happened so to us? CD. yeah that's gone now now I come in and go like, okay I have a plan oh now I've got 30 emails open and where did I start and uh, now I sound like I'm really disorganized <laughs> but um it's really variable because some days so I'm working on touring projects I work for one artist I go out and meet people I try and generate more work if I can for the company not that I don't have enough work but just try and see what else is out yeah. there yeah. I don't go work on work trips so average day I'll probably be in the gym first thing in the morning mm. obviously and then just... oh and I met you in Texas come on <laughs> yeah Clyburn yeah and that's great I mean I've never done something like that before and I yeah. think a partnership with the Clyburn Foundation was really interesting because I, I think some people might think oh what can you do for them? But actually, when we went out to Texas, you met so many interesting yeah. people that I'd never really come across before. Presenters and other managers that I'd heard about and having that face value. I think trips are always really important mm. because we get so... I know, you know how people always talk about... Um, I think about this earlier. You know, how can we music make music more accessible? I hate that. <laughs> it dri- drives me insane a little bit. And, I, and you know, how we, you don't want to lose audiences. And I, in my head, thought, we're going to lose audiences to mobile phones and yeah. technology. And when they die, we're going to lose them as well. <laughs> yeah. All right, morbid. <laughs> Jeez. But, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, you're going to, you know, how can we make things more hip or whatever? And I just think that's just always a bit of a naff comment. There's ways of doing things and there's ways of making things interesting. But uh, this sense of accessibility, it's just, I don't know, I find that always, you're always going to have an older core audience, um, which will eventually leave us. Um, And then there's ways of thinking about things. And just, I think the key is what I've really learned in my average days, how you work with different partners. So a lot of the time in the day, I'm thinking, I'll I'll often talk to one of my artists a lot of the time. That's another thing that I encourage everyone to do, our assistants, not to get book down behind email mm. and they're quite young and they're brilliant and they'll pick up the phone and they'll talk to people um, so a lot of the time I'm on the phone yeah. chatting and laughing really loudly um, which annoys people sending out sales emails you know you always have an intention of the day of what you're going to do and you're probably the same but then loads of curveballs are thrown and then suddenly something comes up and you're like oh we'll go meet this person sure why not yeah. someone yeah. told us to meet this person and I'll go and talk to them so I mean that doesn't really answer your question but no. average day is not wow. really average, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think of someone who want, would want to kind of get a sense for artist management? Would you suggest a certain route or a certain tip on what to do, be it an internship, or do you actually think there's a better way of doing it? Don't go into it. <laughs> I think. I think. I think when you first. I think when you come out. I don't know about you, but when when I 
came out of university and I was wow I think I'm an odd case because I've been doing it mm. well, for you quite some time and I grew up about it so I wasn't quite disillusioned by it ultimately it's business mm. so I think and this sounds really harsh mm. we are in a creative industry but when you're working in an artist management business when you're starting out I've seen a lot of young people thinking they're going to sort of change the world a little bit and that sounds really patronizing but I can see why because you're like oh my god I'm going to work for this amazing agency but in the end when you're starting out like I did as an I did an administrator job which was a travel administrator so I just did travel for 27 artists I mean it was hard work it was probably like just as hard as being assistant but you know artists have just certain desires of how they want to travel and where they want to go and that's fine because they're constantly on the road but you're you know managing that you know so you walk in thinking oh, I'm gonna but actually I didn't really go to that many concerts to be mm-hmm. honest with you um, because I was an administrator job quite I wasn't actually even an assistant mm. I was doing the travel mm. um, that's changed in a lot of businesses now I, I'm never really entirely sure about internships and I and probably a lot of agents are going to hate me for saying that I think I think just applying and going out there I think you can some, some companies an internship is kind of good if you can afford to do it mm. then great I think you're almost better off doing an internship maybe with an arts institution like an orchestra or a venue or Mm. things like that and and there's more maybe potential for growth in jobs Mm. potentially than in an agency agency, and what do you think of the idea of someone if they've just come out of uni for example if they self-manage someone for a while so they find themselves a little artist or project I think that's amazing I think if you've got the gumption to do something like that then go for it I think we were into. I mean, we interviewed for a new assistant last year. And we employed someone who didn't have any any. Um, he was a violin teacher and a musician. Oh really? And his music knowledge is incredible. Mm. I mean, half the time I'm asking him. I mean, now I'm going to sound like a terrible manager, but you know, it doesn't. I think I think the best thing about it is choosing you know I mean we're a small agency but we all have different skill sets mm. and they all come together really well and we've chosen this amazing guy who who knows so much about music it took him a little bit maybe a little bit longer to get the hang of all our database systems and the computer mm. stuff I mean not even that does not in a negative way but but what all the other things that he's brought us are amazing mm. and I think I think don't be put off whatever you've done at uni or whatever you've you've done, I mean, if you've done a lot of music stuff at university or if you've done a few projects yourself, those in itself are things to be proud about and worth worth mentioning. If you want to go down the internship route, I think why not? But I wouldn't say that that's always the way to yeah, get in. So, mm. And these days, actually, I mean, if you, if you, like you said, doing something for yourself and just starting mm. off like that. Might be a better way yeah. of actually getting experience. Yeah. And what interested me, so how did the bodybuilding thing fit in? What happened there? Olympic weightlifting. So, sorry, Olympic weightlifting. <laughs> I don't want these people to think that I'm in a bikini with fake tan on my body. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, my dad. How did that start? Uh, my dad's. I've always been really active. Yeah, she's not sat here in a bikini. No, I'm not. Yeah, no fake tan. Yeah, I'm in normal clothes as well, not gym gear. Rare, but <laughs> it's an option. But you didn't see me in gym gear in Texas, did you? Yeah, I did. Did you? Oh shh. Um, oh damn it! I think this is the first time I've seen you dress. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, yeah, stop. Um, that all came about. Always been very active 
friend of mine had a baby and I well someone I trained with had a baby and she looked incredible I went you don't get that body from running come on um and she said she did this thing called CrossFit which had Olympic weightlifting and then what CrossFit it's called CrossFit it's kind of like high intensity sport with lots of Olympic weightlifting and strength mm. and then that's how I got into Olympic weightlifting I said wow I'm just so is that literally the bar? You know what you see in the Olympics when they wear yeah. those little yeah. nice outfits? Ooh. Yeah. So what can you lift? I can... <laughs> I can clean and jerk. What's that? <laughs> oh, I'm missing all these things to say to you. Yes. <laughs> clean and jerk 90, 90 kilos. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I weigh 63. That's pretty good. <gasps> and then I can snatch, which is... What a snatch? What a snatch? It's the one where you go all the way from the floor and up in one. So clean is where you catch it and then you squat, then you, you stand up. up and then you go and yeah. you like jerk it. It's the worst names for yeah. that. I know. The, all the jokes are terrible. Yeah. And then a snatch is where you just go. It's the harder in one go. lift in one yeah. go. So you yeah. can never lift. You don't ever lift as much as you. We should be able to as you clean and jerk. I can squat double my body weight. What does that mean? I, I can squat 132 kilos on my back. Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm so my boyfriend never carried my brother. This is the only annoying part. Because my boyfriend works out as well. And I'm like, oh, can you just carry that? And he just looks at me going, no. No. <laughs> I would tell you exactly He's the same. Like, you can carry my shop. Like, what? <laughs> so, so I really, yeah, I love doing that. Oh, that's an interesting alternative. I think you're the first. Or can you think of any other musician industry person who does that probably no probably not everyone always thinks I'm really weird or we'll go no, like, it's not we're weird. in Texas so what I love about it is I can always find a gym that I can do it in so like people and then you end up and so it's been amazing so when I used to go on tour um I had a really funny story I'm going to say the story Chicago Super New York story we were on tour in Taiwan this is a lifting story and so I was in the hotel in Taiwan and there's this guy really and the guy's on the squat rack he's got this big belt all around him he's squatting away and then, and then um, he finishes. I'm like, oh, can I use the squat rack? He's like, yeah. And so I start putting more weight on. And then he goes, oh, do you, uh, do you need a spot? Which means, does he need to stand behind me to help me get the weight back up? And I kind of, I don't know who he was. I kind of was like, no. <laughs> who do you think I am? <laughs> you haven't seen me. In my head, I was thinking that. I obviously didn't say that like that. <laughs> and then the next day, so I'm squatting weights. Like, oh, that's quite impressive. I was like, yeah, thanks. And so then I walk off the next day. Someone's like, oh, have you met the lead clarinet or something? Player of the orchestra. And it was that man. And I was like, oh. And since then, I never work out in a hotel gym oh. when I'm on tour with an orchestra. Because <laughs> one, I don't like orchestra musicians seeing me work out because I think I just, you know, it's so personal and weird. Yeah. And you're making like a weird face. All my friends say I make a really weird face. Oh, I'm going to YouTube you. Can I find you on <laughs> Maybe. And then, and then I think, oh, but... It's it's a salvation because you can go to these CrossFit gyms. Yeah. So when you're on tour and you're really busy, I'll get up. You know, if it's not been a late night, I'd get up early or whatever and go for an hour. And then you meet local people, so you end up knowing where to go to eat. The first thing is always like, where can I get breakfast? Where's a good bar? All very important things. <laughs> and then musicians ask me like, yeah, I know all the local places. <laughs> this is where you go to this bar. And then they're like, oh my god, you know yeah. everything. But. And then sometimes I've ended up making friends where I end up going out with them. I think even in Texas, there was this woman, we went and had brunch. Oh, so it was just like, it was a social thing. Yeah, and it's it's an hour away from, like, especially to Amanda. So even in Clyburn for two weeks, it's great, but you're living in a hotel. I was living in a hotel for two and a half weeks. So it's just nice to have, 
an hour away when no one really knows what you do, no one really knows what you're dealing with in the day, and you can just talk nonsense, um, talk about groin, and... Um, you can do that with me too. Yeah, no thanks. And then, you know, you just find out what's where's nice places to go or what's yeah. really cool to do. So Layla Getz, who is from Vancouver, yeah, yeah. like, Layla, I know this amazing coffee shop, but don't tell anyone else. <laughs> you <laughs> told me about that hole in the wall, though. Oh, yeah? The, with the um, barbecue. Yes. So, yeah, that's good. how I got into it. Oh, so, yeah. good. Well, yeah. I can't think of anything else to ask you. Anything clever you want to give on the way? Or have you given all your clever anecdotes away? <laughs> just don't give up. Don't give up. For everyone. <gasps> that's a good point. But don't. I think, you know, and be, and I think the most important thing, I think, with artist management, everyone, in, we live in this, we work in this crazy business. That's like, I, I know what I love about you, oh, no, but, you know, yeah, have, fuck off. no, no, but we have a laugh. Yeah. Like, what's, you know, it's important to be serious and it's important to get things done and it's important to, you know, be professional. But to be honest with you, most things that I've ended up doing is by always being true to myself. Because mm. if you're not, then you're present. You're not presenting yourself. You're, you know, it's always don't. You're going to make it more awkward than it mm. needs to be for yourself. Mm. So I'm all, you know, I think people sometimes find me a little bit odd because I take humour in everything. Mm. Um, and I love a chat, and I like to know about people. And my boyfriend will always say, "You've got that person's life story in the last 20 minutes. They haven't even asked you about you." You will walk out, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, they didn't, but I know everything about them." <laughs> that probably makes a very good artist manager. <laughs> but I love like yeah. it's with anyone and yeah. you know people in my gym will walk in where I mean I coach at my gym as well and I'll talk to anyone and I think we take everything so you know and get so territorial and so this this and this I think just relax and mm -hmm. just be yourself because I think that's how that's going to get you where you want to be it's like, good advice thank, thank you, you. That's it for the week. I hope you enjoyed my chat to Claudia. You can find us on social media, the usual channels, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, the lot. Next time, I'm speaking to Daisy Evans, who is an acclaimed opera director and also the founder of her own company called Silent Opera. Don't forget to share and rate this podcast and have a great week.